You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 4th of November. Since there was nothing on television last night, I just watched more of Robert Woodard. I'll discuss... Plus, what are the experts saying about some of the players we've looked at already? We'll continue our free agent look and our team breakdown as well. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. We hope to give you a little respite and relief from all that is taking place around us with the election and all of that. Uh, There was a point last night where it was clear that for the electoral process to work, more votes needed to be counted, and so I just went and watched NBA draft picks rather than watching the incredible John King continue to tap buttons on screens and make wildness happen. All right, um, so a bunch of things for you. Let's start with the news. Today, the NBA will vote it sounds like Friday, and as I've kind of said this whole time, we're going to start December 22nd. Um, I just There's too much money on the line. As I've, I think Michelle Roberts is doing an amazing job as the player's head. She's doing exactly what she's supposed to, and she's now holding calls with all the players, and the agents have reached them, and I think you're going to see that training camp, the draft will be the 19th. Free agency will happen until the 1st. Training camp will open the 1st. They're actually talking about three or four preseason games, which is really surprising to me. I didn't expect that. And then we'll play 72 regular season games. Shams had in his uh, athletic article that we'll have 14 back-to-backs per team, so it doesn't sound too crazy, and a 25% reduction in travel, which will either done by not traveling to the uh, conferences or by playing those series games we've talked about, and I suspect we'll play a lot of those uh, series where you go play Oklahoma City twice, Dallas twice, Houston twice, back-to-back. They come to us and play twice uh, because of the fact that... Um, I think the league wants to try it, too, and see how it works. I think this is, you know, again, let's use every advantage we have. Six days of All-Star break in early March when the powder comes. Uh, Regular season ends May 16th. Play-in tournament, uh, and then playoffs begin, but... Uh, May 22nd and don't end until July 22nd. So still much later than the NBA might prefer. I've kind of got to admit, like that's like it's right around the corner. It's pretty exciting. Watching draft prospects is is really exciting as well. Um, and it, it I just it feels a little bit like hey we're heading back to normalcy. Um, so you know hey we're never going to be all the way back to normalcy, but it feels like it. so that's the latest on that. I think I, I I'm pretty certain. Um, that I've nailed this one and had it right, and I'm glad because it's important. The lot of escrow talk as well on it. Uh, and, and I don't want to bore you with all the escrow, but that's what's driving this, and I think they'll come to an agreement. And this is where the NBA is great. Michelle Roberts is outstanding. Adam Silver is outstanding. They're both representing their sides, and then they're coming together with the best answer that needs to be done. It's a beautiful concept. It's We actually should use the NBA right now as the model to show that like we can all do this together. Um, all right. Here's what I want to do on today's show from a draft standpoint. Uh, one, I, I I love I love the draft because I fall in love with the guy. So the the backstory, if you missed the show the other day, is I'm watching Siddiqui Bay out of Villanova, who I like, and his numbers are amazing. Right, we've talked about this a little bit. His transition percentile is the 93rd percentile. Um, 
His isolation's not great, and that shows up completely in what my take on him is. His pick-and-roll ball handling's in the 88th percentile, which is like the third or fourth best we've in the draft, which is pretty impressive for a 6'8", 215 guy. And then his spot-up shooting is 98th percentile. He's got a nice wide base. His, his shot looks a little funky, but the more I dug into it, it's just out in front of him a little bit. I think it's fine. His catch-and-shoot's in the 98th percentile, and his unguard is 95th. And then his off-the-bounce game's 39th. So I'm watching, this is what I think is, What's so fun about this? So Siddiqui Bay is out of Villanova. He's six eight. He's two fifteen. He's twenty one years old, and and he's he's really it's it's really quite interesting. Um, he's not an elite athlete to me. Like he does everything well in transition. He finishes well, but he goes one on one. He can't get by people. Pick and roll. He, he's good. He plays it well. He can pass it off the bounce, which is certainly nice at six eight two fifteen but I don't see him beating people off the bounce. I don't think he's getting that shot off because he brings it outside of his body a little bit, but he can really shoot it. He's a really nice player. I watch him. This is just my opinion. I'm not an, you know, I'm a basketball fan. Like I'm not Walt Perrin or Dave Fredman or, you know, Dennis Lindsay or Justin Zanuck or any of these experts, but this is just how I see it. So I watch Sneaky Bay. He's an awfully nice player. I get a little nervous that that little lack of athleticism could really restrict him in the NBA. Like right now, he's bigger and he's stronger than everyone he's playing, and he's probably a better athlete than everyone he's playing, but he just might not be all of a sudden when he gets to the NBA. Now, in all fairness, like Mikel Bridges, who out of Villanova came out, it's funny, we have two Bridges we talk about here, out of Villanova who went to, Air, who went to Phoenix and is becoming a 3 and D guy for them, I didn't love Right, I just didn't love him. I, I think I felt the same way about him. Six six, two ten. And, and I'm not sure that I am wrong. Actually, you know, he's averaged nine points a game, and in two years playing 28 minutes, he seemed kind of just pure three and D and immaterial, and not having lack of athleticism on some other stuff. And he's been a career 34.5 percent three point shooter. So actually, I'm not convinced that I'm wrong on Mikael Bridges. Now he's a very good defensive player, and I probably didn't. Uh, recognize how good a defensive player Mikel Bridges was going to be. So that so the reason I bring this up is I do. I watch Siddiqui Bay and I wonder a little bit like, gosh, if he loses, like if that athletic advantage he has right now is not there and he can't suddenly beat someone off the dribble and maybe that shooting window, like, ugh, I get a little nervous on him. Then there's Robert Woodard II, Mississippi State wing, 6'8", 235, uh, and I... Love him. I love him. Now, in all fairness, I think he's Miles Bridges of a that same draft. And I loved Miles Bridges. So this might just be my personal take on it. Now, on the other end, Miles Bridges just went from eight points to 13 points a game. He went from four rebounds to six in his second year. And he played 30 minutes a game. He's only shooting 32.8% from three. And I think Woodard's probably better than that, but I might be wrong. You know, if you go back to Michigan State, uh, Bridges hit 37% of his threes and that's dropped and his free throw shooting was 77% uh, and Woodard's free throw shooting's not great and free throw shooting is actually the number one indicator but I watch Woodard and he's an elite athlete elite like he'd be elite the minute he steps on the floor in the NBA and so this is what makes it so fascinating to me like sure Siddiqui Bay is a better all-around player and he's got more to his game. He can pass it. He can dribble. He can play off the bounce a little bit. Woodard is on. And, and let me say this. Oh, my God. The guards are so bad. 
Like, I'm watching Mississippi State, and this Weatherspoon kid who's all dynamic, he's kind of Patrick Beverly-esque on a collegiate level. Is all, But, oh, my, he came back from injury, and they just couldn't win another game because, like, their guards are so bad, and they got another kid, Molinari, and they just don't stop shooting, and they just do never get him. Oh, my God, it's awful. It's so awful. The Auburn-Mississippi State game was, like, one of the worst things I've watched. It was worse than watching election coverage. I actually was wishing I was watching the election. The... uh. The guards are so bad. It's so hard to tell on these guys. Like, let's make sure that's clear. And so I watch Woodard, and I think he's completely untapped. Like, at worst, if we put him on the Jazz and we play him in the Royce O'Neal role, he's better athletically. I think he's got more handle. I think he'll be able to be able to shoot as well. He's certainly be able to finish way better because he's just an unbelievable athlete. And there's not a moment where he's going to be, someone's going to be a better athlete than him. They might be the same, but they're not going to be better. And so I actually find myself, like if I had my pick between Siddiqui Bay and Woodard, I think I go Woodard only because like I never have to worry about the athleticism. I think he, both of them, I think see the floor beautifully, like in contrast to Jaden McDaniel, who the 6'9", forward out of Washington, who doesn't see the game at all, at all. Like, I don't know that I can teach McDaniel to be able to see teammates. Both Bay and... Woodard play with teammates, fine guys. I Woodard makes great passes. His assist to turnover ratio is whacked, but college is whacked. Like, totally whacked. There's no space, and the guards are bad, and nothing. You know, Villanova actually spaces the floor fairly well. They got this little guard, Galepsi, who takes advantage of it all the time. And actually, the fact that Siddiqui Bay didn't take advantage of it worries me a little bit. Like, I think Siddiqui Bay is really, really good. I'm just trying to contrast these two, because I think this is such an interesting debate. Like, so... I find myself leaning toward the physical, unbelievable physical presence and amazing athleticism of Woodard. He he comes off the screen in every game I watch. His shot is high. I think it's good enough. It might be a case where if he has to stretch it above the break by shooting it so high, he doesn't have enough strength. But I, I he is so strong, I can't imagine he doesn't have enough strength to figure that out. And I think he has a little bit more drive to his game. Now, he doesn't have a great left hand. There's a play in the open floor where he misses a layup because he comes on the left side and has to switch to the right. But frankly, the kid out of Auburn, Okoro, uh, Okoro, Okoro, I think, uh, Isaac Okoro, I was I watched the Auburn-Mississippi State game, and and he kind of had the same problem. Transition, open floor, left hand, no way he's getting that shot off and missed it. Woodard was defending. And he actually, to me, has less game. Like, he's not a good shooter. His overall catch-and-shoot percentage is 18th percentile. His off-the-bounce game doesn't really exist very much at all. It was actually it was 3 of 11 on the year. His wide-open, unguarded catch-and-shoot game, he's 10 of 31, is Okoro. And he's like a top-eight pick. His body's amazing, too. It's 6'6", 225. So here's actually the next step of that is like, okay, well, Okoro might actually even be a better athlete and better, like defensively, he's able to get in on the pick and roll and blow it up all the time. He's pretty, he's pretty massive body in that way and pretty awesome. Like, do I actually like him more because he he's actually even more athletic than Woodard? Now, frankly, in the Auburn Mississippi State game, Okoro didn't have any plays that were more athletic than what I've seen out of Robert Woodard. So I'm in on Woodard. Well, it may all laugh at me by the end, and I haven't watched as much as these pros do, um, but I'm pretty intrigued. And his numbers aren't brilliant, right? Like, I think we talked about this um, the other day, that his numbers are not, like, they're not, they're not brilliant. They're good, um, and they're okay, but they're not brilliant. So if you want to go back to it again and look at him, 
as much as I'm, you know, this is where, okay, now I've got to fight my eyeball instinct compared to where his game is. But this is also where college is so difficult because, again, I don't know if I've mentioned this or not, his guards sucked. And they just didn't do anything for him. And they he'd run up and catch the ball at the top, give it up, and then go back to the corner. So Woodard in transition, which I think is this important thing, is only 50%, probably because that no left hand. His spot up is 50 percentile. His uh, offensive rebound, his uh, cutting is 86 percentile. He cuts and moves beautifully off the ball. And his isolation game is only 33 percentile, and he goes 6 of 15. So for all my numbers I love about these guys, now, catch and shoot, he's 69th percentile, and this is what I do like. Open catch and shoot, he's 77th percentile. So, 6'7", 230, and untapped in my mind. Do I think he's Miles Bridges. We'll see. Be interesting. All right, so I got my first draft guy that I've fallen in love with. We've talked about Jalen Smith, who I liked. We've talked about um, Jaden McDaniels, who I loved his body and not his game. And we've talked about Aaron Nesmith out of Villanova. We'll hear from Chad Ford and Brad Rowland, Experts on the draft on the Locked On Podcast Network about those guys as we continue uh, here on the show. Today's edition of Locked On Jazz is brought to you by the Mud Slide Cookie. Well, actually by the store, but let's just talk about the Mud Slide Cookie for a second because we need happiness. We need happiness. And the Mud Slide Cookie is happiness. It's got this outside kind of crust to its chocolate chip cookie so it's got it's a firmness to it and then you take a bite and it's got like a dark chocolate brownie inside to it it's chocolate cookie with chocolate chips and it's just fabulous oh my gosh i might have to drive to the store today just to get one. Oh, i mean just the outside crispiness the inside brownie the pure chocolate and leather bees ice cream is locked on mudslide ice cream which is a little bit of a mocha ice cream with that chocolate, oh, so good, so good. And the store is so good. It makes you feel happy. You can feel the local presence. You can feel community. You can feel togetherness. You see the kids taking the elderly out to the car. You see Amy taking the groceries out to the woman who still is not comfortable coming into the grocery store. You see the local products all around in the supporting Utah zone. You go to the back and they've got the pre-made meals for you. they got the butcher back there cutting the meat. They've got the great uh skewers ready to be thrown on the grill it's all there at the store at 600 south 20 east and today is wednesday so it's sushi day as well and that's down at the gateway also right down at the gateway across the street from the children's museum stop by visit the store get the mudslide cookie and have the decadent awesome chocolatey blissfulness that is the mudslide cookie can you tell that maybe i have decided not to eat sugar this week and i'm three days without sugar and i only can talk about the mudslide cookie today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at shamrock auto rob taylor and his crew at shamrock do wonderful work they got in the business with brady kimball to make sure that they could make the easiest perform uh experience for you and if you go read all of shamrock auto's reviews you know what you find out you find out exactly that like i love it 203 google reviews and you go to it jake was amazing we bought our dream vamper at a great price the place is the place to go for a great deal on a car that was just a month ago and eric scott we bought a car from jake he was super helpful spent a ton of time answering my questions he let me take the vehicle home overnight he let him take the home and make sure it fit in the garage. We purchased the vehicle one day and at once. It, like how friendly, knowledgeable, helpful, good inventory, a pleasant 
place to do business. I've had times. These guys value your time. When purchasing a truck, they had it put together and it only took a few minutes. Shout out to Jake and Kellen. Very knowledgeable and helpful. Save your time and suffering. Just go here for a vehicle. That, my friends, is what Shamrock Auto is all about. That's what my friend Rob Taylor has put together. Make sure when you stop by, you tell him you came from Locked On. He'll give you the family and friends discount. They've done a wonderful job building up a place for you to get better cars with no drama, great pricing, any truck, any sedan. Cars are mostly 6 to 12 months old, five to 20,000 miles. Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, and frankly, Rob's favorite thing is if you pick up the phone and you call him and tell him what you want, he'll go find it. So call him at 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Shamrockautogroup.com. Rob Taylor. All right, the Chad Ford big board is back, and the Tony Jones was the guest, and the draft stuff is great. So let's go to uh, Jaden McDaniels, who I mentioned, and Jalen Smith out of Maryland, two guys that are being talked about. And then we, we talked about Aaron Nesmith, who I have not watched yet, but both Brad Roland of Locked on Hawks and Chad Ford had some thoughts on him. So let's, let's get to these guys and hear what they say. So if you didn't catch it when we did the numbers the other day in the draft, Nesmith peaked out. Uh, Vanderbilt's 6'6", 215. He's a 90 percentile in transition, which is interesting because you'll hear them say he's not a great athlete, but he's a 90% finisher in transition, only 48 attempts. Isolation, he only had 12 attempts, but he's 97%. Doesn't play the pick and roll. His shooting's through the charts, off the charts. 95th percentile in catch and shoot, uh, shooting, 100, or spot up 100th percentile with an 81% effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot. His unguarded was in the 100th percentile as well with a 98% effective field goal percentage. 98% effective field goal percentage. And then his off-the-bounce dribble wasn't bad. So let's start with Chad Ford on the Vanderbilt Aaron Nesmith. I'll watch him. I haven't watched him yet. I'll put it on my list. But let's get to him since I've kind of blown him up as a big numbers guy. Really just shot the ball like incredibly well this year. He's a wing out of Vanderbilt. Shot 52% um, from three. Sample size is a big question. Can he continue to do that? Um, He doesn't have great athleticism. He doesn't really create his own shot. And so he's really going to have to like shoot. Okay, let's not say 52% because uh, that that would be incredible. But he's going to have to be an elite shooter in the NBA to warrant where he's at right now. And teams are just unsure. How much of that is going to translate from a sophomore season at Vanderbilt over uh, into the NBA? This is a lot of the way people talked about Landry Shamit. If you go back and look at Landry Shamit's numbers at Wichita State, this is how he was talked about. So that'll be, you know, I think that's an interesting little note to consider uh, when we're talking about Nesmith. Is is that comp? Brad Roland, Locked On Hawks, does amazing draft work. By the way, Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Basketballs, had amazing draft shows as well. So let's go to Brad Roland and hear what he has to say from Locked On Hawks on Nesmith as well. Nesmith was a two-year guy at Vanderbilt. He actually got hurt this year, about midway through the season and never came back. But he'll be 21. His birthday is actually the night of the draft. October 16th, he'll turn 21. So he'll play his rookie season at 21, which is not old, but not super young for a two-year guy. Um, I know he was at Vanderbilt, which is not exactly always a basketball factory, but he was a pretty good four-star high school prospect. Not an elite guy, but made a huge jump in year two. Um, but just to get this out of the way, his shoe numbers in, at Vanderbilt in a 14-game season this year were just unbelievably ridiculous. 
He shot 50, 52% from three. Uh, it's a relatively small sample size. It's only 115 attempts, but still uh, 52% from three is pretty crazy on real volume, um, even if, even in a pretty small sample size of games. Uh, that is his biggest traits for people that don't, that don't know anything about him. He's about a 6'6", uh, sort of combo wing type. Um, definitely a shooting specialist potentially, but de- you know, I would say number one appeal is obviously his jump shot. Everyone agrees on that. I think everyone agrees that he's going to be a good shooter. It's kind of just the, 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 the sort of the degrees of that, like how good of a shooter is he going to be? Is he going to just be a game changer in that way? Or is he more of a role player, um, you know, three and D type of guy. So that's where the sort of the consensus is on him. I will say this. You know, no one's going to shoot as well as he did this year at Vanderbilt. But I, I do, th- I do believe in the shooting. I think he's going to be a really high end shooter. W- whether he'll be like an a, an elite guy, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I need to see more from that. But I do believe in the shooting. Um, I will say this: I like Nismith's defense more than most people do. I don't, I don't think he's going to be great, but he's pretty physical. He's pretty uh, strong. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's going to be great necessarily, but I think he actually does. Just kind of fit the three and D archetype as someone who I think you definitely want for his offense first and foremost, but he's a supporting player. He is a role player. Like you said, I think, I guess maybe people have convinced themselves that he can be more than that. I don't really love him on the ball at all. I think he is more of an off movement, off screens, off curls kind of shooter, um, floor spacer type than an on ball player. And with that archetype, I think the three and D concept makes a lot of sense for him. And as a result of that, I have him like somewhere in the late lottery, maybe even mid, mid first rounds. So kind of around where he's generally projected. I wouldn't consider him in the top 10, but I think somewhere when you, when you get down to like 13, 14, 15, there are lots of teams that could use him. And honestly, we'll talk about Devin Vassell in a little bit, but Neesmith is different than Vassell, but I think he is someone who pretty much would work anywhere. His defense is not like Vassell's. I, I think it's definitely more of a question mark, but because I believe in his defense, it's pretty easy to plug and play Neesmith in, a different, uh, in different places. So that's the break on Neesmith. We'll see. But uh, great work by Brad Roland and uh, Chad Ford. You can get Brad Roland at Locked on Hawks when you want to, and then obviously Chad Ford's NBA big board uh, on that. So, you know, there's one of our number guys. All right, another guy we looked at that I really liked was Maryland's Big man, Jalen Smith. He seems to have moved out of the jazz range. Let's hear what Chad Ford has to say about him. Big man out of Maryland, a sophomore. Really put up great numbers at Maryland this year. 22 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two assists, two steals, two blocks. It's, again, a question for him about can he guard guys on the perimeter? Does he have that lateral quickness? And does he have the body strength to defend bigs uh, in the paint? His ability to like stretch the floor and to take players outside and having the soft touch that he has around the basket and, and his rebounding and shot blocking and hustle ability all are really high. And I, he's been slowly just kind of bubbling up um, in this draft again, because I think bigs that can really shoot the basketball and can protect the rim are just really intriguing. Chad obviously does a great job with it. I like Jalen Smith, but to honestly watching him, there was something missing. Like, I, he's not fluid in his movement. It's almost like his legs drag. There, there was something to me that just felt a little off. Almost like I've kind of always loved John Henson and he never's panned out type off. Um, so I, I would have to dig deeper in him. Uh, yeah, all the things Chad just said is that outside shooting and the numbers, but he's not strong. He doesn't hold his area on his base great. He doesn't own his space, so he's going to get beat up a little bit in the NBA game, but he can play out on the floor, but I didn't think he moved that beautifully. So, I don't know. We'll see. That one's interesting to me because I'd have a really hard time passing on that 
in Jalen Smith and his, but honestly watching, there was just something that made me a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, it is the winter season and Built Bar has stepped up with the Maple Pecan Bar. Yes, the brand new while supplies last Maple Pecan Built Bar, of course, with 100% chocolate, only 160 calories, 18 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar. That's what makes Built Bar so great. They still have and the pumpkin chocolate chip cookie bar is out and back. So grab either of those plus all of the other great bars. You know, the coconut and the coconut almond, the peanut butter that is so loved, the carrot cake with walnuts that I know one of our hosts absolutely adores. It's all at Built Bar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will end up with 20% off. Super delicious, fabulously tasting, great macros. It is Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get your maple pecan and your pumpkin chocolate chip cookie. I mentioned it earlier, but Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Josh Lloyd doing super work with various interviews on the draft. Actually, I have a long drive this weekend, so I just uh, downloaded a bunch of them to catch up on the draft, so I'll have more on that from you, but feel free to grab that. All right, uh, the last player I wanted to touch on uh, from Chad Ford is Jaden McDaniels. We've talked about him and get your, get his take on that, and then I want to dig into the Pelicans uh, we won't do a free agent today because uh, we're kind of actually one behind. So we'll catch up, get our free agent and our coaches um, and our teams back on track. And we'll look at the Pelicans, their situation. But here, interesting, Jaden McDaniels, Adonis body, 6'9", 210, out of Washington. Here's what Chad Ford has to say about him. He looks the part of a lottery prospect. He's got those arms. He's got the athleticism. He's got all these tools. He didn't have a good season at Washington. I don't think there's really any other way to put it. And it turned off a lot of NBA teams who said, okay, is basketball IQ seem to be lacking decision-making was just making fouls. Didn't seem to know what he was doing at times on either side of the court. And then on top of that, he, he really lacked strength and he just kind of went into free fall on many NBA draft boards. But you know, here he is in the gym. He's working out every day. There aren't, a huge amount of upside guys left uh, in this draft. And while he's not like particularly long because he's 6'10 and has a nearly a seven foot wingspan, that's, that's great size and length uh, for the position. He's just going to be one of those players that is going to work out well. And there's just a lot of teams that are trying to convince themselves and okay, who, who is left on the board that has the upside that could really turn into something special if they work on all of their words. And it's Jaden McDaniels is that guy all the way. I mean, he, the, the talent is lottery talent. The, the, what we've seen from his actual game, playing the actual game of basketball is, is pretty iffy. But I think that you are going to see someone swing for the fences on him, hope that they hit a home run, they could also end up striking out. I think I'd be pretty comfortable taking that swing. I mean, you just don't get that kind of size and talent, and you just gotta want. You know, I I would I'd have to interview him and talk to him and, and know him a little bit. And do you think he's coachable? Do you think he will ever realize he's not the guy scoring fifty points a game? But like, he's gonna play in the league. There's like, he's just got too long. I, I can't imagine he's like out of the league in two or three years. There's just. Too, mu- too many God-given talents there. So, so I- interesting. I love this draft. I, 
I, there's just a ton of guys who can shoot. There's a ton of great bodies. It's a lot of upside on every player. Like, And, and I think, as I said the other day, I think the reshuffle is going to be amazing. All right, let's look at the Pelicans for a second. They're really interesting. A lot of people are talking about the Drew Holiday possibility for a trade. So here's the number one thing that's most interesting. David Griffin took over as a GM and hasn't really changed the team at all. He made the mar- the marquee trade of the Anthony Davis deal. He now has himself a new head coach in Stan Van Gundy. They kind of moved Drew Holiday to the two. And they've got all these pieces that are about to get paid and up and coming. And it's it's a really interesting roster. So, first of all, their cap situation seems perfect. They've got $83 million in for contracts next year. They're 46 and 25. So, you start adding on the Brandon Ingram Max deal this year, and they seem to be fine. And Zion Williamson is paid a lot, but not a ton, and he's paid through 2023. So you, you don't have to worry about that. And Jackson Hayes, who's their center, is actually, probably is paid through. So what do they do about, like, so they're going to pay Brandon Ingram. And then what do they do about Josh Hart? And what do they do about Lonzo Ball? And what do they do about Derek Favors? Like, it gets really fascinating. So let's start. Drew Holiday is at $26.2 million with a player option 27 for 2021. So if you're trading for Drew Holiday, are you trading for two years of Drew Holiday or one year of Drew Holiday. That 27 is a funky number because he's still pretty good. And so you, but he's 30 years old. He's been in the league for 11 years. You kind of wonder what, what he's, you know, what his angle will be on that. Would he take, is he going to wait to be an unrestricted free agent? There's, you know, there's a bunch of aspects to that. Um, and he's good. Like he's good. I, I have always found myself wanting a little bit more out of Drew Holiday. Like I always feel like, for some reason, he's always talking about how good he is, and then I just kind of wonder, well, if he's so good, and like he's one of the best on-ball defenders, and when I watch him, I see it, and then they're not that good defensively, and he's one of the, you know, and they don't win, and it always makes me wonder. But I like Drew Holiday, pr- pretty strong player. So is there, you know, I don't see them moving Drew Holiday unless they're getting better as a team in some capacity. So how would that be? Well, they, they turn the offense over to Lonzo Ball, and then they got to pay him in 2021, but I don't think that that's not a reason to move Drew Holiday. Holiday becomes your two, and J.J. Redick is your backup at 13, and what do you do with Josh Hart, who you're going to have to pay next year? He's probably replacing J.J. Redick, who, become, who moves on after next year, and Nikel Alexander-Walker is a pretty nice fourth guard, another young player, so interesting. Brandon Ingram is the restricted free agent. They pay a ton. They have Zion and then Jackson Hayes. So now that their free agents are two interesting players, obviously Derek Favors, who we know well, how much are they willing to pay him and for how long? They don't want to pay him for a long period of time because they have Jackson Hayes coming and that's going to be their future. And then I, they have a 31-year-old guard at Etwan Moore who has a big cap figure at $16 million who they're going to probably, they may move on from. We just talked about it. They have Drew Holiday and they have J.J. Redick and they have Nickel Alexander-Walker and they have Josh Hart. Like it's, they don't really have a spot for yet another guard. And so that, and they have Frank Jackson, who's a restricted bird free agent, who they still like. So I think Etuan Moore moves on, and I like Etuan Moore. Interesting piece. 31 years old, you got to be a little careful about his aging. I think he came out of Purdue. Uh, he's kind of been this combo guard, physical. Like, that's a player I like who I think they'll miss. Uh, but they, they've, they're really fascinating in that they have their pieces and all their young guys are coming. So are they going to move Drew Holiday? 
Do they try to move a 36-year-old J.J. Redick? Do they bring back Derek Favors or is Nico Mealy enough for them? Um, so they have all these little moves. Uh, Darius Miller was injured last year. They still have to pay this year. They have all these little moves. And the question is, what do they really want their team to look like in a year or two? Do they believe Lonzo Ball, Jason Hart, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Jackson Hayes are a five? Or do they want other pieces, marquee pieces, move things out, get pieces? Like that to me is where they get really, really interesting. So keep an eye on the Pels because David Griffin has yet to put his stamp on this team and I think he could put a fairly large one on him. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Tomorrow on the program, all right, we will look at the New York Knicks and free agent Jeff Teague and we'll continue our draft prospect looks as well. Have a wonderful day. Thanks very much.